presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. Will you stand and let's sing it together? I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me. I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the King is alive. I raise a hallelujah with everything inside of me. I raise a hallelujah. I will watch the darkness flee. I raise a hallelujah in the middle of the mystery. I raise a hallelujah. Fear you lost. Amen. You can be seated. 
Good morning. I am so glad that death has been defeated and the king is alive this morning. Um, welcome to First Baptist Church. We are so glad that you have decided to worship with us this morning. If you are a guest, you can take the guest card in the pew back in front of you and fill it out and then take it to the welcome center out of here and to your left. And we have a gift that we would like to give you. Todd, where did you get that fancy shirt of yours? Oh, see my fancy shirt. I got my fancy shirt from the bookstore because I love my church. Yeah, so today we have I Love My Church t-shirts available for sale in the bookstore, which is once again out here and to the left. Um, and they come in three different colors. They come in this lovely purple, this gray, and then Tim is modeling our blue up here. Um, so if you are interested in one, you can go. Um, <laughs> Hey, how come mine doesn't look like his? <laughs> that did, your, did not go how I planned pack? it, but. Sorry, that's muscles, not anyway. Okay, so let's, okay. Um, <laughs> so Sorry, let Megan. us, you can buy one of those in the bookstore for $15. They're available in sizes youth small through adult 3X. So let's pray and then continue on and worship together. Lord, thank you so much for being able to come together and to worship you and to reflect on what you have done for us. We pray that we hear your voice this morning through music and through the, your word um, and that we are able to refocus and reset for the week ahead. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Megan. You know, I was just, uh, we're going to sing about the rock. You know, our God is the rock of salvation. And he is a firm foundation. You know, and, and as I began to think about this song, these, this series of songs, I started thinking about, you know, we, you've gone to the, uh, like to the caves or whatever, you know, and you're, you're walking on these rocks, you know, and, and then there's these rocks overhead and like solid, you know, and I, I asked the guy, I mean, what are the chances of these, this roof falling? He said, I mean, it's been there a million years. And I'm like, that's some firm foundation right there, you know. And then, I've, and then I think about the fact that, you know, I've been to the beach. You know, you stood out there on the beach, and as the water rose around you, you know, you start to sink. You ever notice that? You, next thing you know, your feet are getting lower and lower, you know, in the sand. Is the, and I thought, that's what the Bible talks about, you know. We don't want to be standing on sinking sand. We want to be standing on Christ, the solid rock. And then I was telling them back there, you know, that's when... That, that makes us more stable so that we can reach down and help those who are standing in the sand. So this morning, let's celebrate the fact that we serve the rock of salvation. Will you stand? Let's sing together. No God like our God. No other name worthy of all our praise. The rock of salvation that cannot be moved. He's proven himself to be faithful and true. There is no rock. There is no God like us. There is no rock. No God like our God. No other name worthy of all our praise. The rock of salvation that cannot be moved. He's proven himself to be faithful and true. There is no rock. There is no God like ours. Here we go, sing it. Rock of Here we go. There is no rock. 
is no God like our God. No other name worthy of all our praise. The rock of salvation that cannot be moved. He's proven himself to be faithful and true. There is no rock. There is no God like us. Rock of ages. Jesus is the rock. Rock of ages. Jesus is the rock. Rock of ages. Jesus is the rock. There is no rock. God like us.
talking about that song this week in the office how beautiful the line is be of sin a double cure that the gospel itself is a double cure because we have a double problem we have sin that needs to be forgiven but we also need righteousness to stand before a holy God and in Jesus we have our sins forgiven and someone who gives us his righteousness that we can stand before God as the innocent children of God be of sin a double cure what a beautiful line thank you for leading us this morning Todd we're glad you're back from Guatemala and glad you had a great trip there if you have a Bible will you open to Colossians chapter 1 we'll be in verses 25 through 28 if I haven't met you yet, my name is Brady Martin. I'm the new lead pastor here at First Baptist, and I look forward to getting to know you in the days ahead. I also want to say um, thanks to our team that is in Denver this morning, uh, serving the local church, uh, Journey uh, Point Church there, and so we're grateful for them and Jake, who is leading that trip. Um, but I will tell you, I looked it up this morning, it was colder in Manchester than in Denver this morning. And so um, it's nice to have the cooler weather. Yesterday we went to Old Timers Day, and so we are officially settled in here in Manchester. 
But as you're finding Colossians 1, 25 through 28, I want you to know something. That defining success is the first step in achieving success. Defining success is the first step in achieving success. We see this clearly on May 25th, 1961. Do you know what happened that day? President John F. Kennedy gave a speech. I have a picture of him here giving this speech as he stood before the American people. And he set forth an audacious vision. He wanted to land an American astronaut on the moon by the end of the decade. This would launch a decade of incredible innovation. As scientists, engineers, and astronauts worked towards a singular goal, putting a man on the moon. And on July 20th, 1969, as millions of people sat before their black and white television sets, they saw Neil Armstrong achieve the success that President Kennedy had defined. And what happened? The whole nation celebrated. You see, defining success shapes the mission. Defining success gives you clear objectives. Defining success also tells you what and when to celebrate. And when Neil Armstrong landed on the moon, the nation knew we had achieved success laid out by President Kennedy, and they celebrated. In our text this morning, Paul is going to tell the church at Colossae and us what success looks like for a local church. But before we dive into that, let's get some background on Colossians. As I've told you the previous weeks, Colossae was a town about 100 miles east of Ephesus, near a mountain called Mount Calmus, and near a major road, just like we're near the highway here of uh, 24. The church was founded by a man named Epaphras, who, Paul, who had heard Paul preach in Ephesus. And then Epaphras comes to Paul there in prison and says, Paul, will you write to our church? We have a problem called the Colossian heresy. And people were going around teaching that Jesus wasn't enough. That they needed to move beyond Jesus. And there was particularly a group called the Mystery Cults. And the Mystery Cults would teach something like this, that they believed that there were levels to learning. And the further you went into the Mystery Cult, the higher the learning you received. So if you were a level one acolyte, you knew certain things. If you reached level five, you would learn other things. If you... Level 10, you would learn other mysteries. And as the longer you were in the mystery cult, the greater and higher you went up, the more secrets you would have. And so the mystery cults decided this Jesus thing is catching on. And so what we want to do is we want to capitalize on that. So we want to blend our mystery cult with Jesus and what's going on in the church. And so they said, Jesus, he's really great. He's like level five. But if you really want to know true spirituality, begin with Jesus. He's level five. But you've got to go to greater mysteries. That there are greater mysteries to be revealed other than Jesus Christ. And so they come and then they say, look, and even your leader, Paul, he's in prison. Is that really success? And so they want to know, should you follow him or should you go to these greater mysteries? Well, Paul is going to write back. Through Epaphras, he's going to write back and send a letter back to them and say, no, 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 no. You've got it all wrong. And he's going to show them what true success looks like in the local church. So let's read our text. We're going to read the whole thing and then come back and break it down. Colossians 1.25 says this. I have become its servant, the church, according to God's commission that was given to me for you. To make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that, hear this, we may present everyone mature in Christ. How do people define success for the church? Often, it's by what people call the nickels and noses standard. Do you know about the nickels and noses standard? 
The nickels and noses standard says you judge a church's success by how many nickels they have or how big their budget is. And by noses, how many people show up on a Sunday? And so often people will define, say, is that a successful church? Well, how big's their budget? How many people do they have coming? Well, here's what I want you to know, First Baptist Manchester. It is possible to have a large budget, but not be a successful church. It is possible to have a lot of people attend church, but not be a successful church. There are plenty of churches that have large budgets and have have large attendance that are not successful. Why? Because Jesus tells us in the Great Commission that we have a mission. What is our mission? To go make disciples of all nations. Well, Paul defines that even further for us here. It makes it even clearer. And he says, our mission and what success looks like for us is to see everyone become fully mature followers of Jesus. He, wants, he says success is making sure we produce fully mature followers of Jesus. He makes it clear here. That's the mission. That's the objective. Just as President Kennedy said he wanted to put a man on the moon, our job is to produce fully mature followers of Jesus. Now, this means that our mission isn't merely to see people come to know Christ, though that's where we start. It's not just to see people baptized, though we want to see people baptized. Our goal is that every man, woman, boy, and girl at First Baptist Manchester becomes a fully mature follower of Jesus. Think about this for a moment in parenting. My goal in parenting, Calvin, he's, he's seven, going to be eight next month, all right, in just a few weeks. My goal for Calvin is not to be the best seven-year-old he possibly can be. My goal in parenting is that one day Calvin will be a fully mature adult. That's our goal in parenting. Our goal is to raise adults. In the church, our goal is to produce fully mature followers of Jesus. Now, we want to see people come to know Christ. We want to see them baptized. But let's not think that's the finish line. The finish line, the objective, is producing fully mature followers of Jesus. This would be as if President Kennedy said, hey, we've produced a great rocket. We've already achieved it. We've recruited astronauts and they signed up for the program. That's not the same thing. Our mission is to produce fully mature followers of Jesus. The question then is, if that's our mission, how do we achieve it? How do we produce fully mature followers of Jesus? Well, in this text, Paul is going to tell us four things we must do. Four things that we must seek to help everyone do to be able to produce fully mature followers of Jesus. The first is if we're going to do this, we must help people know the whole Bible. We must help people know the whole Bible. Look at verse 25. It says, I've become its servant, the church, according to God's commission that was given to me for you. And here's what he says. Here's his commission. To make the word of God fully known. He wants the Colossians and us to know God's word. Hear me clearly on this. It is possible to know the Bible and not be spiritually mature. I've met people who could win at Bible trivia, but, could, but weren't living out their faith. It's possible to know things about the Bible, but not actually be living it out. You see, it's possible to know the Bible without being mature, but also hear me on this, it's not possible to be spiritually mature without knowing the Bible. And so I want to encourage you, we must know all of the Bible. That's why a church that is successful in making fully mature followers of Jesus will help everyone know the whole Bible. Not just a few verses that they use at Hobby Lobby to sell stuff to our homes, right? We have all those Hobby Lobby. I'm not hating on them. We have all that stuff too. But we want people to know the whole Bible, the whole story. Sometimes you'll hear people refer to themselves as red-letter Christians. Have you ever heard of this, red-letter Christians? Here's what they mean. They'll say, listen, if you flip in your Bibles, sometimes the Bible will have all of the words of Jesus in red letters. And they'll say, well, I'm just worried about obeying the red letters. Well, I'm happy for anyone to try to obey the words of Jesus. That is a great thing. 
But I want you to know here at First Baptist Manchester, we believe that all of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation are the words of Jesus and they are all inspired, inerrant, and the infallible word of God. And we want people to know the Bible from Genesis to the Revelation. Someone asked me, Brady, do you believe the whole Bible? I said, yes, and I believe from the table of contents to the maps. <laughs> Growing up in church, I spent a lot of time in maps, all right? And we want people to know the story of the Bible. You may have heard the term postmodernism. Well, at the heart of postmodernism, it is, a, is it, a, it is a denial of what is known as the meta-narrative. A meta-narrative is an overarching story that explains all other stories. It's one grand story that we can all fit our lives in. And they say, postmodernism says, there is no story like that. There is no overarching story. But at the heart of Christianity says, there is a story that explains all stories. And that is the story of the Bible. In the story of the Bible, you can put it in four acts. Act one, creation. We believe that God created everything. Act two, fall. Man rebelled and broke everything. Act three, redemption. God, through in the Old Testament, through the sacrificial system pointing forward, all the way through the temple system, was all pointing forward to the one day when his son would come and die on the cross and provide redemption for our sins. And then the fourth act, restoration. One day, Jesus is coming back to make all things new. We know the Bible in four acts, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. There is a story that explains all stories, and every story in the Bible can be seen in one of those four acts, and our lives fits within that grand story. So if you want to know the Bible better, I want to encourage you. I would encourage you to come to one of our Wednesday night Christian Discipleship Pathway classes. It will help you know the Bible better. Join one of our connection groups that studies the Bible. We would love for you to grow in that. Sometimes people say, well, pastor, I don't know if I know the Bible well enough to come to a, to a connection group class. Here's what I want to tell you. Sometimes people compare their, themselves to other people in trying to judge their spiritual growth. Here's how I want you to do it. I want you to compare yourself to where you were six months ago, six years ago. The only person you need to compare yourself to is who you were and see the growth in your life. Just want to encourage you. It doesn't matter how much you know right now. What I care about is how you go forward. And so I want to encourage you. Let's grow in our knowledge of God's word. If we want to be a church that's successful, if we want to produce fully mature followers of Jesus, we must help everyone know the Bible better. So, so hear this, a successful church is a church where anyone, no matter their level of prior knowledge, can come in and grow in their knowledge of God's word. And that's who we want to be at First Baptist Manchester. That's number one. Secondly, if we want to make fully mature followers of Jesus, we must, number two, help people understand the mystery of the gospel. We must help people understand the mystery of the gospel. Look at verse 26. It says, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. Now notice Paul's intentional use of the word mystery here. The Colossians would have picked up on that word because of the mystery cults. Paul says, you don't need to go to a greater mystery than Jesus, but Jesus is the mystery. And now that mystery has been revealed. Growing up, my mom would watch a TV show called Murder, She Wrote. Anybody in here remember Murder, She Wrote? All right. It was a show about Jessica Fletcher, played by Angela Lansbury, and she was an author who lived in Cabot Cove, Maine, a small town up in Maine. And each episode, she would solve a murder that had happened in this town, and throughout the episode, the 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 murderer would be revealed, and in the end, it would all make sense, and she would always be the one who solved it. That was the same plot, but my mom has watched hundreds of these. She told me she still watches one a day. But I've got two things about that. Number one, how could there have been so many murders in that small town? 
Two, what was fun about the show was that when you watched it, you didn't know who it was, but you played along. You tried to figure out the mystery. And once the mystery had been revealed, you looked back and said, oh, I should have seen that all along. Here in our text, Paul is saying there was something that was hidden to God's people all throughout the Old Testament, but now it has been revealed, and we look at it and say, man, we should have seen that coming all along. What is that mystery? Look at verse 27. He said, the mystery is that God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, the mystery is twofold. Number one, God wanted to include the Gentiles. And who are the Gentiles? It's those who were not physical descendants of Abraham. And God had made a promise to Abraham that all of his descendants would be blessed. And what Paul is saying is that God wants to include the Gentiles among Abraham's descendants to be able to bless them and the whole world. He's including the Gentiles as part of God's people. And secondly, the mystery was that Jesus would dwell in every believer through the Holy Spirit. And this is actually quite a mystery. Let me, let me use a quote by one theologian um, to share it this way. Here's what this one biblical scholar said. He said, in the Old Testament, the Jews knew that the Messiah was coming. What they never really understood was that the Messiah would not only come, but he would live in the very bodies of his people. What they didn't know was that your body and my body would become the temple of the living God. They didn't know that. That was a mystery. And that is the message we have to announce to the world. That every man has a hope of glory. Glory manifests now and a hope of future glory with God by virtue of Christ in us. Now, let me explain it this way in more common terms. In the Old Testament temple system, at the center was the Holy of Holies, where God's presence dwelt. And the Gentiles were not allowed anywhere close. They were several layers out with a clear dividing wall between them and everything going on on the inside where God's presence was. And he said there's the great mystery, and the great mystery is that God's including these Gentiles. And that would have been scandalous for the Jews. But let me take that a step further. Here's what God says is the great mystery. Is not only is he inviting the Gentiles like you and me, and sinners like you and me, into the holy of holies where his presence is, that we can be near his presence... He's not only doing that, here's the great mystery that God himself is taking his spirit that once dwelled at the center of the holy of holies and he is placing his spirit in every boy, girl, man, and woman who placed their faith in Jesus Christ and he is coming to live inside of them and he's making each and every one of them a temple of the living God. How incredible is that? It was mind-blowing to the ancient people. And he says, if you want to know a mystery, quit trying to get to level 10 mystery cult in Colossae. The great mystery is that the God who created the world would live inside of you. That is the great mystery of the gospel. And he says, that's what we must help people understand. They, might, they don't live the Christian life on their own, but the Holy Spirit is living inside of them and that they are a temple of the living God. That's number two that we must help people see. Thirdly, if we want to make mature followers of Jesus, we must help everyone see Jesus as the hero of the Bible. We must see Jesus as the hero of the Bible. Look at verse 28. It says, we proclaim him. We don't proclaim a religious system of ten steps of how to get to heaven. Eight steps to how to be a better you. Five steps to look like Tim in a t-shirt. We don't do that. I just wrote that in. I didn't prepare that one, Tim. 
You see, sometimes people think of the Bible as a guidebook for life, and it obviously is a guidebook, but that's not what it is, essentially. It's a hero story about a people who were lost and desperate in their sin, and we had a hero who came from heaven to come to earth, to go to a cross, to save sinners like you and me. We have a hero, and the Bible is about him, and we must help people see Jesus as the hero of the Bible and of their story, too. One pastor, Tim Keller, says that modern people have a problem reading the Bible because they read the Bible as primarily about themselves when it's primarily about Jesus Christ. He goes on to summarize the Bible like this. He says, from beginning to end, the Bible is about Jesus. He says, Jesus is the true and better Adam who passed the test in the garden and whose obedience is imputed to us. Jesus is the true and better Abel who though he was innocently slain, has blood that now cries out, not for our condemnation, but for our acquittal. Jesus is the true and better Abraham, who answered the call of God to leave all the comfortable and familiar and to go out into the void, not knowing whether he would, where he would go, but to create a new people of God. Jesus is the true and better Isaac, who was not just offered up by his father on the mountain, but was truly sacrificed for us. Jesus is the true and better Jacob who wrestled and took the blow of God's justice we deserved. So like Jacob, we only receive the wounds of grace to discipline us. Jesus is the true and better Joseph who wrestled and took the blow of justice we deserved. So like, who was sold. Jesus is the true and better Joseph who at the right hand of the king forgives all of those who were betrayed and sold him. And he uses his new power to save them. Jesus is the true and better Moses who stands in the gap between the people and the Lord and mediates a new and better covenant. Jesus is the true and better rock of Moses who struck with the rod of God's justice now gives water in the desert. Jesus is the true and better Job who is the truly innocent sufferer who intercedes and saves his foolish friends. Jesus is the true and better David whose victory becomes his people's victory although we never lift a stone to accomplish it. Jesus is the true and better Esther, who didn't just risk leaving an earthly palace, but lost the ultimate and heavenly one. He didn't just risk his life, he gave his life for his people. Jesus is the true and better Jonah, who was cast out into the storm so that we could be brought in. Jesus is the real Passover lamb. He's innocent, he's perfect, he's helpless, he's slain, so that the angel of death might pass over us. Jesus is the true temple, the true prophet, the true priest, the true king, the true sacrifice, the true lamb. He's the true light, the true bread. You see, the Bible's not really all about us. It's about Jesus Christ, and we must proclaim him. I recently read about a small English village that had a tiny chapel in it. And outside the chapel, they had an inscription that said, Preach Christ crucified. And the story goes that they had a group of ministers who came and they preached Christ crucified. But over the years, times changed. And ivy grew up over that sign. And it covered the word crucified. And it just said, we preach Christ. And crucified was covered. And he said there was a generation of ministers that rose up who did that precisely that they preached Christ but not Christ crucified they preached Christ as our example Christ the humanitarian Christ the teacher a few years passed by that ivy began to continue to grow until finally the inscription merely said we preach and he said the generation came along that did that very thing they preached economics they preached book reviews they preached about just about anything other than Christ crucified Brothers and sisters, if we want to be a successful church, if we want to be a church that makes mature followers of Jesus, it is not merely enough to preach. It is not merely enough to have classes. We must proclaim Christ in all of his glory from Genesis to Revelation because he is the hero of the Bible and he's the hero of our stories too. One of the problems our world has is people feel like the world is oriented around them. Each and every Sunday when we come to worship is a time to remind ourselves none of this is about us. Fourthly, a church who is making fully mature followers of Jesus will help everyone apply the Bible to all of life. 
Apply the Bible to all of life. What does it say? We proclaim him warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom. See, wisdom's more than knowledge. It's how truth impacts life. You see, knowing the content of the Bible is not enough for spiritual maturity. It must change your life. Think about it like this. When we come to church, to Bible study, it's like a football team having practice or going to a team meeting. Often a football team will get together in a film room and they'll watch film and they'll talk about plays and they'll draw them up on the board. Well, then they'll take those plays that they drew up and they'll go to the practice field. They'll, they'll run the plays on the practice field. But how do you know if the team really got it? How do you know if they really understood all that you had practiced and all that you had talked about? How do you know if the team really got it? You don't find out till Friday night. You don't find out until they're on the game field. In the same way, when we come to church, it's like we come to practice. It's we come to, 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 the, ga- to the film room. We, we look and we talk about these things. But, but here's the thing. If we do not apply it, it's not going to change our life. And we will not really know if it's really taken root until Monday and we are on the game field of life. We want to be a people who apply the Bible to all of life. You see, the test of a mature Christian. If you want to know, what does a fully mature follower of Jesus look like? You can't just give a Bible survey test. You can't give a theology quiz. It comes from real life. Does what you know make a difference in your life? And our church provides great opportunities for this. Our upcoming women's conference, we'd love for you to be a part of that. It's a great time, if you're a woman, by the way. All right. But it's a great opportunity as they talk about God's word and how to apply it to their lives in real practical ways. Our connection groups are places to live this out. We would love for you to apply the Bible to all of life. So the fourth thing we must do, if we want to make fully mature followers of Jesus, and we must help people apply the Bible to their lives. And Paul concludes this verse, look, we do all of these things we just talked about, why? so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That's how Paul defines success. Success in ministry is producing fully mature followers of Jesus. And defining success is often the first step in achieving success. We know what the win is. We know what the goal is. We know what the mission is. We know what we are to celebrate. It's Christians taking their next steps in their maturity in Christ. So what is success in our kids' ministry here at First Baptist Manchester? It's seeing kids take their next step in becoming fully mature followers of Jesus. What's our, what's our win? What's our success in student ministry? Seeing kids become, take their next step in becoming a fully mature follower of Jesus. What's our goal at the, in women's ministry? Fully mature followers of Jesus. What's our goal at the Oakley Center? Fully mature followers of Jesus. What's our goal on our mission trip to Denver that we might connect with people, that they might become fully mature followers of Jesus? Think about it like this. When Johnny and Jenny show up to our kids' ministry, what's our goal for them? For them to have a great Sunday? Sure. But what's the bigger goal? We want to see Johnny and Jenny one day grow up to be fully mature followers of Jesus. What's our goal for everybody who comes in? Do we want them to have a great Sunday, to feel welcomed? Absolutely. But why? Because we want to see them become fully mature followers of Jesus. Why does Todd lead songs up here? He ultimately is teaching us the word of God, helping it grow, go deeper into our hearts and lives, that we might experience the presence and power of God. Why? Where we might become fully mature followers of Jesus. That's what it's all about. We have a mission. We have a goal. Now, the steps in the process may be different, but our goal is the same. Just as getting an astronaut to the moon had different people playing different roles. The church has different people playing different roles, but our goal is the same. Fully mature followers of Jesus. And the truth is, this is exactly what our world needs. Think about in our community. We have people in our community whose marriages are falling apart. Do you know what we need to do to help them? We need to create fully mature followers of Jesus. 
We have people in our community who struggle with having no hope. What do we need to do? Fully mature followers of Jesus. We have people who can't find peace. Well, we help them become fully mature followers of Jesus. We have people who don't feel like they have a purpose. We help them become fully mature followers of Jesus. We have people who struggle with addictions. What do we need to do? Help them become fully mature followers of Jesus. We have people who have financial problems. We want to help them become fully mature followers of Jesus. We have people who are confused over gender and sexuality. What do we need to do? Do we need to just yell at them? No, we need to help them become fully mature followers of Jesus. We have people who are persuaded by false teaching. What do we need to do? Help them become fully mature followers of Jesus. And we have people in our community who are Alabama fans. And what do we need to do with them? Help them become fully mature followers of Jesus. Sorry. I've been excited about that all week. It's for you, Daniel. But the truth is, no matter the problem in our community, the answer is the same. We need to help people become fully mature followers of Jesus. When people think of First Baptist Church Manchester, what I want them to think of is they, it's where you see people go from infancy to maturity. It is the place where people are able to grow and become the people that God made them to be in Christ. That's what God wants for our church. And that's how we measure success and if we will do this then just like on July 20th 1969 when Neil Armstrong landed on the moon we can say mission success and we like the whole nation then will have a reason to celebrate because we have done what God wants creating fully mature followers of Jesus that's the mission and we can achieve it together by the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Let's pray together. This morning, as your head is bowed and eyes are closed, I want to ask two things of you. Number one, will you commit to growing as a follower of Jesus this morning into greater maturity? Will you ask God, God, help me take the next step in my own maturity? I'm not sure where you are in your faith journey, but will you ask God to help you grow? Because our church will only ever be as strong as it can be if each person becomes all that God intends for them to be. Number two, will you pray for our church, First Baptist Manchester, to be a successful church? Not by the standards of the world, not by nickels and noses, but by the standards that God gives. Will you pray that we will be a church that makes fully mature followers of Jesus, that helps people know the Bible, understand the mystery of the gospel, that we will see Jesus as the hero of the Bible in our lives, and that we will apply the Bible to our lives. Will you pray for our church this morning? Father, I pray for each and every person in this room. If there is someone in this room who does not know Christ as their Savior, they've never taken that initial step into their maturity. Father, I pray that they will repent of their sin and believe in Jesus even this morning. For those who know Christ, I pray that you will help them take whatever step they need to take. Maybe that's being more committed to reading your word or joining a connection group class or maybe joining with us as a church. Maybe it's saying, I need to be baptized to follow Jesus. Whatever step you have for them, Father, I pray that the Spirit will lead them this morning to have the courage to take that step. And Father, I pray for our church that we'll know what success looks like and that we will work from kids' ministry through our ministry to senior adults with one singular goal, to make fully mature disciples, all for your glory. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand and respond with us this morning?
this morning. I wanted to uh, remind you of a couple things before you go. Uh, one of those is that Wednesday night we're starting uh, several new of our CDP or Christian Discipleship Pathway courses and one of those is introductions. So if you are a newer member, uh, it's been a while since we've done this kind of handling a transition of pastors, but if you're a newer member or someone who's been visiting with us in the past few uh, months and would like to get to know more about our church, uh, Pastor Brady and myself will be leading introductions on Wednesday night at 6.30. Come at 6 o'clock for uh, the um, prayer meeting beforehand or come earlier for dinner at 5 o'clock. You can do those reservations uh, in, this morning. Uh, and then also upward uh, evaluations are happening Monday or Tuesday. And uh, so if you're involved with upward basketball cheerleading, uh, be sure to get your students or children there for that opportunity. And we're collecting candy for trunk or treat coming up at the end of the month that's a great outreach and connection with our community so hopefully you can help us out with that and also sign up to, to help with the trunk that's out at the welcome corridor thank you again for being here to worship with us um i was trying to come up with some clever comeback about being an alabama fan but <laughs> I'll, I'll try to be mature know your it. audience know your audience yes yes so if anybody else is an Alabama fan and would like some support, you can come to talk with me and um, we, we can get through this together, this, this gang I've said. All right, let's pray to be dismissed. Father God, we thank you for your love for us and we thank you that uh, you are the, the uh, revealed mystery, that you are the hero of the Bible, 
and that you desire for us to become uh, more mature followers of you, God, and that you provide that way. We aren't struggling and we don't have to like be confused about how we move forward. We just need to look to you. Your spirit guides us. Your love embraces us and helps us move along. And, and you provide a church and community for us to grow in, God. So help us to be that for each other. Help us to just be moving forward, uh, looking to you to grow and be more like you, to live like you, to love like you, and be more like Jesus, God. And so we thank you for that help. We are not left alone in that. And that is a powerful, amazing thing, God. So thank you for your grace and love for us and desiring to see us grow and mature and be more like you, God. Thank you for this time to worship. I pray that uh, we would have a good morning of, of connection groups as, as folks go to those and that you would just be in the midst of that. We love you and thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.